Welcome to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Rodcast. My guest today set up a comprehensive database and reporting system. It's now 30 years old, and it has data on over 800,000 auction lots, where 35,000 are added each year. It's the principal source of data for all auction statistics, and its data is used by market-leading publications, such as the States Gazette, and as well as many other media groups. I am, of course, talking about Essential Information Group, or EIG, and we have the pleasure of being joined today by the founder the one and only David Sanderman. Welcome. Steady on, Rod. Steady on, Rod. I've got to get my head out the door later on. <laughs> You're very generous with, with your words. You're very generous. Well, look. And, it, and thank you for having been, me on. It's been going on a, a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't be more than 40. I wish, I wish. <laughs> I'd around my wife the other day because I said I was 63 and she said, no, you're 64. I had to, I had to get a calculator out and she was right. Well, always are, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, so... My journey, crikey. I'll run you in one minute. I'll go you from zero to hero or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I um, qualified as a barrister and was called to the bar in 82, 83. 83. Never intended to practice, but I thought illegal training would keep me out of trouble. And it has. And very quickly got involved in property development. And, and during the 80s, bought and sold properties, built houses and, and all the things one did. And, you know, and then it went wrong in 89. We had a crash in 1990 and it it made... 0809 seemed like a tea party. It was very severe. There was no forbearance. Uh, you're nodding your head as if you <laughs> can remember those days. And we had to exit from the property market at the invitation of the bank. And scratching around looking for something to do. I suddenly, in April 1990, I got sent a set of property details for a house coming up for sale by private treaty. With, it was in Clapham, 10 Rosewell Road. It's indelibly etched on my mind. And I said to my two colleagues, that's been to auction before. So I quickly went to the cupboard where we had loads of catalogues, scanned through page after page. After that, and I found the lot. I phoned the auction house up and said, could you tell me what happened to it? She said, well, no, we don't really have results. I said, you must know. I really want to know. Please, pretty please. So she came back to me about an hour later. said, oh, it didn't sell. I said, what was the reserve? Because you always give that out afterwards if I'm interested. She said, oh, that's in the bidding, that's in the bidding book. The auctioneers are out to lunch. They won't be back today and they won't give it out. And I, I actually sort of threw my toys out of the pram. I said to my two colleagues, am I the only bugger who wants to know what's happened at auctions? So being skint, we went to WH Smith and bought three clipboards, three borrows and three pieces of paper and decided we'd go to every auction, write down the results. And fortunately, I went live with the idea in the States Gazette. And as luck would have, on the Monday, John Wetherill, who used to run Barna Marcus, I'm going 33 years ago, called me up. He said, what's this about? It's actually, it's the 9th of May. So it's coming up to my 33rd anniversary of starting the business and I explained what it was and he said David get down to Bombay Brasserie for 12 o'clock I'll see you for lunch I do or die on this course and I had a lovely lunch with him and some of his team and he said he loved the idea he said what can I do to help I said well I'd love to you know put a leaflet in your catalogue he said this is my number from a printer send down the artwork we'll pay for it thank you love to meet all your buyers he said come to the lunch and have a stand at the auctions as well and I thought, I said, what can I, John, this is fantastic. You know, I said, what can I do in return? He said, report the results accurately and without fear or favour. 
and you know that we've tried to do throughout and then we started providing in the early 90s um people wanted results and so instead of the, we had a fax back service so people would dial a number from the fax machine gets the results back in 94 we went live with our website one of the very first websites in the world it's very primitive but it was a website then we started hosting legal documents and uh, in 2013 we launched our online auction platform which is now uh, you know the market leader really in, in the industry so it's been a, a wonderful journey and i'm totally blessed with a fantastic staff um, you know when i started it was three of us and we actually had a party last night we took on new members of staff so we all got together we all were, most of us worked mainly there were 26 of us now in the company i thought where's all these people come from but fantastic <laughs> and really great team to work with a fantastic that um, is absolutely brilliant i mean i, I won't tell you off because he did take more than two minutes but it was definitely worth it <laughs> look i've got a couple of questions off the mm. back of that so the first one is it's been going now 33 years yep. next week and what jumps out to me in that is how well you've adapted sort of going from i don't know faxing back things to the online auction what have been some of the catalysts there that have really focused your mind going do you know what if we don't do a netflix versus blockbuster here yeah. we're gonna die like what have been some of those pivotal moments do you think i think when i I had lunch with a journalist from the Estates Gazette in about 92, 93. And I just said, I've got this vision, you know, I'll be able to put my stuff on a computer and somebody will be able to log into the computer and say, show me everything coming up for sale in Guildford and we'll send them the data out. You know, that's called a portal apparently. And she went back and spoke to the boss of Estates Gazette. And by three o'clock, he had arranged to meet me for lunch the next day to hear more of the idea because they were launching EGI. And so they supported us and lent us their brand to help us get underway, which was fantastic. You know, we're friends with them. I've got a meeting with them this afternoon, actually, at three o'clock on something else. So that's been fantastic relationship with them. And really having the support of the industry, the auction industry, the auctioneers have believed in what we did and saw it for the truth, the transparency, the openness, and it's been good for that. Well, I bet, I guess it's a two-way win-win scenario, yeah. two-way street for them, isn't it? Because they yeah. fit massively off all the data as well, and it allows them to make, especially nowadays when everything is reliant on data almost mm. it allows them to understand how their business is performing and where the opportunities are i yeah. guess doesn't yeah. it yes and you know the sort of thing that they all use our site extensively for some auctioneers we're seeing 30 percent of their stock has been to auction in the recent past and they need to know about it and they can very easily see that you know, yeah. hang on you've just allegedly sold this in so-and-so's auction and now you want me to take it in with a reserve of you know a guide price of half what you paid for it you know come on yeah, absolutely. It's opened up with transparency, which is good. So the other thing I've got to ask is during the 80s, where it was a pretty kind of awful time for if you were a developer, like you said, not a patch on sort of 2008, 2009, because the rate at which kind of interest rates went up, the forbearance kind of differences, things like that. Do you see any similarities to today's market where interest rates have really although they're not at sort of 16 percent the speed at which they've increased i.e multiplied by fivefold has been yeah. quicker do you see any kind of resemblance to no this? not really i mean i remember black friday when the interest who was the chancellor then gordon no, was gordon brown interest rates went up to 17 percent at one stage you know i remember a mate of mine i was on a boat actually just having some fun he, he said Are you worried I said, i'm not worried the bank should be worried i'm not worried <laughs> we're getting out of me <laughs> and it's so much better managed now the economy and the and all the you know back then it go to a bank and they'd they will have half a million 
well, no, we want you to take more. And they just, they just couldn't give it away quick enough. Sure. You know, the mm. irresponsible lending was just unbelievable. Everything yeah. was done on the back of a fag packet and you got the money. Yeah. God, well, it was the days of bank managers and relationships, really. Yes, yes. Rather than actually computer says, no, we've got all these kind of strict measures we've yep. got to apply to. Yeah, God, well, that's absolutely fascinating. So, look, in terms of auctions then, do you feel that the auction market is a useful kind of precursor to what happens in the wider property market? Yes, very definitely, because it's so transparent and so open. And, and you know, somebody goes to goes to an auction with an expectation of getting X. Yeah. And in the past, it might have got X, but now they're getting X less 10%. So I think it's and coming off. Is that because it's speed of transaction? Because when I've bought an auction and sold at auction in the past, really the main driver that I think a lot of people maybe feel is they're going to get a deal. Mm. That wasn't my main driver. My main driver was certainty and speed of just understanding, look, one in three transactions fall through on the open market. Yeah. What I want is just I want to get this one done, whether that's as a buyer or seller. I mean, do you think that speed and certainty of transaction yeah. helps? Yeah, very much so. And transparency and speed, absolutely. It's a done deal. You know, it's not a, but now you go into the contract stage, as you say, they start falling out. Sure. So in terms of that, then, what metrics would you be using to judge what the auction market is doing? Because we always see, I don't know, all sorts of put, right, we've got X percent of lots sold. But what they might not have told you is actually they withdrew 20% of the cattle yeah. the day before, and yeah. things like that. So it's always, you've got to kind of get under the day. Absolutely. That's a very valid point, Rob. I'm glad you mentioned it because some auctioneers, basically everything's online now. Some auctioneers, if they haven't got anybody registered to bid on a Pacific property, when the auction opens, they say, well, it's pointless inviting anybody to bid because nobody can. They're just not allowed to bid. And others think, well, I'll let anybody who's registered to bid on any lot. And they have to offer the lot knowing that they're probably not going to sell it. And so we are, it's, there's an internal debate here, how we sort of try and report it, or do we actually put a percent sold on our results as being discussed? Because there is that difference. Well, I guess you could look at what the, I don't know, average for the last rolling 12 months has been in terms of a value and then do it. So, I don't know, they sell 40 million on the average month over X many lots well, yeah. and do it that way. It's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? It is. I mean, and sadly, you know, there are vendors who think I'll go to this auction because they get 90%, not somebody who gets 70. But to get your lot in that auction where they do 90%, you've got to agree to a very low reserve or they won't take the lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, sadly, you know, people do use the percent sold as, as a mark as to how good the auction. Others have, you know, I've just been on the phone to an auctioneer and he likes to take anything in, give it a chance. And he knows yeah. it's going to affect his percentage but he could say well i could you know he does 30 40 lots he could say well i'm not going to let 10 in but you never know they might sell and so going back to that kind of thing of the auction market being a precursor of the wider market yeah. what metrics would you look at to go okay well the auction market's done x so therefore the wider market maybe in three months or six months is going to get yep. to that point so certainly you know i talked to a lot of auctioners after their event and if there has been a hiccup they will be going around trimming you know, guides and reserve prices saying, you know, I'm not going to offer it unless you take 5% off to try and get it away. And I think sometimes you see the amount of post-auction transactions which go on. It didn't sell under the hammer, but then the, you know, the eagles start circling around and picking off the bits they like. And you know, the vendors in their last chance, Looney, didn't sell it in the private trading market, didn't sell it at auction. Where's he going to go? You yeah. don't go one way, really drop the price and get shot. 
And are you see like what are you seeing at the moment in the auction market? Are you seeing that that's the case that prices are coming down, or are you seeing that actually that's kind of gone behind us and things are on the up again? Yeah, I'm not sort of close enough to the individual prices to see that. And it does. I remember meeting a mate of mine in auction years about ten years ago. I'd known him since the nineties, and I said, "Oh, Nick, how are you doing?" He said, "Great." I said, "What are you doing here?" He said, "Well, I'm. I've got a property and I'm trying to sell, and I want to pick a couple of things up." And I said, oh, "See you later for a drink." So. After the auction, I went to have a drink with the auctioneers. And Nick was, I said, you go on, Nick. I said, you say? He said, no, people just aren't prepared to pay proper value for it. I said, oh, that's bad luck. I said, do you buy anything? He said, no, everything's going for silly money. <laughs> and then he realised what he had said. You know, whether you're a buyer or a seller, it's, it's up or down. Sure, absolutely. Um, so what's been, obviously, you mentioned kind of it's got auctions are predominantly online yeah. now. I'm guessing that's been a massive effect of, of covid I mean, have there been any other effects from COVID as to what's happening with the auction market and how it's changed in the last couple of years? Yeah, COVID actually dramatically changed it. A, it all went online. Now, I've had the platform since 2013 and I've knocked on so many auctioneers' doors saying, why don't you try it online? And, oh, no, David, you know, you need an auctioneer. We get the best price. You can't have a machine do it. It needs me on the rostrum. And it's proved that that's not actually the case. What we have seen with it, it's really opened the market up. Because before you would feel a second class citizen if you didn't go to the auction room and bid in person, bidding by telephone, you'd be the last chance to get a bid. And and what we've seen now is that for the national auctioneers, they're getting a lot more visitors and traction. And even well, I did it for an experiment for a Midlands-based auctioneer. We handle their bid of registration and legal documents, and we know where the people live. So we did a on Google Map. We planted a pin for all the people who had looked at the documents, and they were all centred around the town in which the auction house was pre-COVID. Now we did the same map post-COVID and there's a much bigger geographical spread and many more people, many more people. So it's become so much more open and available to the general public and, you know, bid on your phone. The auction so, room's right there. And certainly I found kind of in the past when I kind of started going to auctions, it was a bit of a kind of closed circle, I guess. You'd go and not a lot of people were aware of it. Not a lot of people were aware of kind of how to finance them and things like that. Whereas now, I mean, there's not a huge difference like there used to be in terms of kind of who can go and buy because data is so freely available to everybody. It's much more accessible yeah, and not just the actual information on the auction, but also things like financial products in yeah. order to buy them. And they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. You know, we started our document room service, uh, you know, Passport, back in 15, 16 years ago. Before, you used to phone up your credit card. The auction house would take 25 quid off it and send you the legal pack as it was then. But, you know, extra documents come in late now. Yeah. We send out hundreds of documents every, every hour, leave a server. And as you say, finance has become easier. So people like together finance. I'm sure others do. They'll give you a decision in principle in five minutes. Yeah. And, you know, they will allow you to use your solicitors, so long as more than three partners in the firm, to take the security for them. And they'll take the hammer prices evaluation and give you a percentage of that. So it's just, you know, like cash on tap, really. There's certainly some similarities with times of the past there that are <laughs> concerning, aren't there? Yes. What about hybrid auctions then, where you've got, I mean, is the auction room a dead thing now? Or what's happening there? Personally, I don't think we're going to see auctioneers coming back to the auction room in their droves. Yep. It's just so convenient, either doing it from, uh, so you've got, you've got sort of like three levels, of pure online, then you've got live stream done 
in somebody's boardroom or office, so it's behind closed doors, and then one which is done in a public venue. And and then you have all the costs. You know, a hotel ballroom in London will cost you 25 grand. Yeah, yeah. And some, and then you've got, you got to then provide a catalogue so people can have something to look at, et cetera. But, you know, some auctioneers like the behind the office, it's a studio production guy in who runs the camera and does the bidding, and it's all done. I mean, Bond Wolf had all their punters said, we want to go back to a room. And so they held an auction last September, it was, and great fanfare. And yes, the West Bromwich Alvin Grand, I think it was. You know, the room was full of people, you know, four or five hundred seats, they're all gone. Everybody had turned up. And apparently, you know, within a couple of hours, everybody had left. And at the end of the auction, uh, one of the team called me up and said, could you let us know the percentage of bids which came in from room bidders with a bidding panel and those who placed a bid online. And I had to get the guys to check the numbers again. 95% of the bids came via the internet. Wow. They, they have, they've said they're not going back to the room. You know, they're going to carry on doing it in their boardroom. God, the poor auctioneers that are going to be out of a, out of a job and their, yeah. their egos that they've had to stroke all these years. <laughs> You've got to feel for them, haven't you? Yes, yeah. Well, <laughs> in that particular audience, you know, sometimes... By sort of two hours into the auction, quite often there's nobody in the room or very few people in the room. You know, they've come and had a look at and gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, I was talking to auctioneer and he had a couple of people in his uh, London auction, a couple of people, and just buy on impulse a couple of things which he wouldn't have sold to them had they had to, you know, register sure. because they wouldn't have been able to do it. So the auctioneers will uh, do what they think best and uh, good luck. And, and I guess, like, the benefits for the buyer then of, of it being online is well, convenience, doing it in your home, yep. home, home. but also is, is there something about, is there probably more access to data there, like, or is it solely really on the auctioneer to see, how, like you say, who's registered, who's clicked on a lot, who's kind of done those things? Well, the auctioneer is now where you register a bid online. Uh, if it's, he's able to see if you've registered a bid, whether you're online and it, against your name on our software will be a green light. And if you're not, it's a red light and your phone number's next door. So he can phone you up and say, you've registered a bid on this lot. It's coming up in two minutes. He sure. Oh, thanks, mate. Yes, and then he can also talk to the bidder while he's bidding, saying, you know, I, you know, why don't you go another bid? You never know. You might knock out the other chap. Might knock him out. And they can be talking to the vendor as well. You know, and what one I know did on several occasions because it, they we have a button where we can reduce the reserve during the auction, mm. and he had the vendor on the phone talking to the vendor. Looks, we're one bid away from reserve. Do you want me to reduce it to the reserve? You've got ten seconds to make your mind up. So at least you know it's sold. And you might get a bid. He did just before the. 10 seconds expired, it said reserve met, and then the bidding started again. Yeah. So you're able to have a one-to-one -one with the two key parties, the vendor and the bidders who are in action and bidding. I mean, how did the old tricks of the trade work when the auctioneer is kind of bidding up the room, pointing at random places, saying, trying to get it up to the reserve? I mean, that must still go on, but with... Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And, they, and, and in their terms and conditions of business, they all reserve the right to bid on behalf of the vendor. Yeah. Not consecutively, but uh, bid. So they have a bid button within the system. So they, yeah, they can yeah. bid. And so on that kind of tricks of the trade, I guess, let's talk a little bit about some of the traps that people fall into. So um, often you kind of got to look through, obviously, my advice would always be look through that legal pack with a with a fine tooth comb, um, and especially kind of like those special conditions. Because yep. I remember seeing, I don't know, you'd see the fee that they want to add on for the buyer, but it wouldn't be written in numerals. It would be written kind of yep. in in the same font as words and things like yep. that. I mean, what are some of those traps that you see? How long, how long have we got? <laughs> go on, let's go. Okay, well, just on that point, 
the most severe example I've seen, a plot of land was offered. It was sold to the only bidder at £100. And a comment from the auctioneer alerted me to the fact that I might just go and have a look at the special conditions of sale. And in there, remember plot for £100, the first thing I read was the deposit payable will be the greater of £5,000 or 10% of the hammer price. Now, I'll let you do the math. There was then another £12,000 in extra fees in there. Wow. And the buyer hadn't downloaded a single legal document. I looked at a document company, we, you know, the bidding profile, and recent auction held 30% of the bidders hadn't downloaded a single legal document, and over 50% of the underbidders hadn't downloaded a single legal document, and they're bidding. Playing with fire. It is. And I'd like to ask you a question, Rod. Uh, what do you think the most important document in a legal pack is? Title deed, maybe? I'll give you one more guess. <laughs> Conditions. No, it are. No, the most important document in a legal pack, in my view, is the one which has been left out deliberately because it contains bad news. So, for example, if you're buying leasehold flat and there's not three years of management accounts, you've got to ask why. Yeah, very good. You're, you're ticking a box to say you, you've read and understood the legal pack and you've asked, satisfied yourself with all the documentation, asked for ones, et cetera, et cetera. That is it. And that often happens. So, I mean, things things that go to auction, they go to auction for a reason. There's, yeah. there's an issue there. So it's about uncovering what that issue is. If you look hard enough, I think there's an issue with, with everything. Uh, to, yeah, some of them could be quite severe. And I support a flattered auction and, and there's a little bit of an issue with the management. I'm sure I'll be able to sort out after the event. Yeah. But uh, that didn't come out in the in my reading of the legal pack, but uh, my lawyer found it. But I'll deal with that. But I've got a good price on it. So yeah. Well, it's about pricing in that risk, isn't Indeed. it? Indeed. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you allow a contingency and if you buy enough, then you might lose out on one, but the other nine will um, underwrite that loss. Yeah. So what advice would you give to people that are looking to buy at auction then? Hello, everyone. I, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to talk to you quickly about a sponsor of ours called Signature Property Finance. They are a bridging loan provider based in Solihull, Birmingham. The company also has regional offices in Cardiff and Edinburgh, which enable them to serve clients across the whole of England, Wales and Scotland. They were established in 2012 and Signature have two primary funding lines, private equity and a traditional debt facility via a high street bank. So what is it they fund and how can they help you? Well, Signature will lend against both residential and commercial property on a standard bridge with a maximum loan to value of 70% and 60% respectively for a term of between six and 18 months. They offer both a light and heavy refurbishment product, again, for a term of up to 18 months. Light refurbishment amounts to anything non-structural in nature, whereas anything involving structural changes requires a heavy refurbishment product. They will lend up to 75% of the lower of the purchase price or day one open market value. Signature also lend development finance up to a maximum loan of 5 million and for up to 15 units. The loan terms are up to 24 months and cover residential or mixed-use developments and they will lend up to the lower of 65% of the GDV or 80% of total costs. So why would you use them? Well, in, other, in the words of CEO Tony Gilbertson, Signature do what they say they're going to do. Provided the information given by the customer and or the broker on day one is accurate, the terms issued on day one will be the same terms that the customer draws down on. 
So if you've got any property finance requirements, please contact Tony Gilbertson at Tony, T-O-N-Y, at signaturepropertyfinance.co.uk. And there'll be a link to that in the show notes. And for a limited time only, they are doing a special offer for all Rodcast listeners. If you look to get finance with them and mention the Rodcast, you will get free legals for a limited time only. Yes, that's right. That's free legals for a limited time only. Just mention the Rodcast. They really are a fantastic company that do what they say they're going to do and act quickly. Back to the show. Well, the first thing I would strongly recommend is use our site. And the reason being is because in some auctioneers, a third of their stock has been to the room before. So everybody says, find a property, view it, get your lawyer to look at the legal pack and then go and bid. No, all you've got to go on is a guide price. All that is, I did a talk the other day at the property show and I asked a question, what is the guide price to? I had about 80 people sitting down and six or 70 all, all around me, about 150 people. I said, right, hands up. Who thinks it's a low price just to get you interested in bait advertising and load of hands? About 30% of the hands went up. Who thinks it's where the bidding's going to start? And that's another 30% went up. Who thinks it's an indication where the reserve is? I counted eight hands go up, which is, of course, the correct answer. And then the other one was what the auctioneer expects to sell it for. So very few of the of the population, they think the guy price is what it's going to sell for, just a low price. Yeah. What's happened in the past is a great indication of what's going in the future. And 80% of properties coming to auction, there's been something else being sold auction in the past in that street. So our site will tell you that. But just to, you know, some people say, oh, well, the guy price is at 100, so I'll add on 10%, and that's what it's going to go. You've got to value what it's going to go for. Because if you're not prepared to pay that, it's pointless doing money. There are so many people who have spent, you know, hundreds of pounds on their time and legal fees and see this thing just go on reheat way above where they were going to go. Had they looked at our site, they may well have seen, hang on, this guy's at 100, but it actually, the one next door sold last week for 120. So if I'm not at 120, either I've got to work out why the difference is and be prepared to go there. And also, I think it's important to point out, like you mentioned, the guide has got to be within 10% of what of the reserve. But it is subject to change. Exactly. And yeah. they can change it, like you said, during the bidding, just before, on the yeah. day of, all that kind My of My database is full of properties. Bought in one auction. I just talked to an auctioneer before I came on this call. He had a property, sold it for £200,000. It was in another auction house following week or month, and it was guided at £80,000. So allegedly the vendor had said i'm prepared to let this go now of course the asa ruling says the reserve is subject to change so he may well email the auctioneer the night before and say i've had a thing i think 80 grand's too low to let it go but by that stage all the general public have seen it on right move call that's cheap dived in not got any clue what it's going to go for spent the money and they're all getting disappointed well or he's gone hey the reserve is, I don't know, a pound or whatever. Mm. And to get everyone interested, yeah. think through the door. Yeah. Um, and suddenly then people are, who, again, might not have downloaded the legal pack, might not know, are now starting to bid it up on the day that he's gone, do you know what, I'm going to increase that to 100 yeah. grand. Yeah. And, um, and suddenly they're going and going and going. And, and it's all because they've been enticed into this, yeah. They haven't read it and understood it. You know, yeah, yeah. every guide price has an asterisk next door to it 
but who needs to read a definition of what a price is? You know, Google defines what you what you expect to pay for goods or services. Needs brackets, but not in property auctions. Yeah. <laughs> so go on there. Give us another couple of traps that people can fall into. Some of the sub stories of well, failing to view it. Yeah. yeah, failing to view it. You know, just relying on the video. Well, as far as I'm aware, there's no camera, video camera, which can smell dry rot or detect recently applied wood chip paper and two coats of emulsion to hide a multitude of cracks and sins. <laughs> You've got to view the property. Now you are buying it warts and all. It's really getting intelligence on it. And of course, the legal pack. You know, very rarely would you see a TA6, you know, the vendor questionnaire in a legal pack. So he hasn't answered the question, have you had a row of your neighbour? And all those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. Is so, there a party wall issue? Is there? Yeah. yeah. And really, you're going to have maximum 15 working days from when the catalogue comes out to bidding at auction. So you've got to know, is this property likely to sell at a price I'm happy to pay? Because if not, you've got to say, should I be waiting for the next one? Mm-hmm. Don't rely on the guide prices evaluation. It's only an indication where reserve is currently set. Sure. And so in terms of what's going on now in auctions, are you seeing auction stock levels rise compared to where they were at? Yes, we're seeing more and more properties come to auction. I, I do a newsletter, I haven't looked it up. Uh, yeah, double-digit growth you know, across properties, number of properties coming to auction, selling and indeed revenue raised. And what do you think is causing that? Uh, the openness, now it's also accessible online. It's not that sort of haloed private event behind the doors of, of a hotel room. It's so easy to bid. You know, I was bidding the other day on a property. I actually bought it. I was driving, my wife was driving, and I was just in the car. Mm-hmm. It's that easy now because before you, you'd feel obligated to go to the room. So the transparency is much easier. I think the information the auction out auction houses are giving out has, has got better in terms of you know the amount of photographs they put on sites now you know in the catalogue it used to be one picture in the catalogue now it's a carousel of properties sure um, and so do you think the actual kind of the wider market is having any effect on those stock levels like interest rates going up tax on landlords landlords yeah, leaving the market yeah. They will definitely be coming in, into the auction room to be exited because you know auctions is one of the few places really where you can sell a tenant property Mm-hmm. You don't see many tenanted, residential tenanted properties going through an estate agent. And they were, they wouldn't be advertised, you know, as such on on Right Move yeah. hugely. So that's yeah, it's great, great forum for them to uh, be sold. And so, are you? So, with that in mind, then, do you think that the auction market has shifted to a buyer's market? No, I think it, market forces determine where it is. Mm. As I say, you know, if you're buying, you think it's expensive. If you're selling, you think it's cheap. And actually, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And transactions are still happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the auctioneers will be looking their the other auctioneers' results and saying, I thought that would have sold and seem to get good money and, and helping to gauge where their reserves should be for their sale. So if you're thinking it's not shifted to a buyer's market, do you think it will later in the year? If, you know, just reading house prices falling, single digit at the moment, go double digit, I think will be people who are embarrassed yeah. You know, financially and got to get out and cut the losses. And it is a, a quick way of achieving that. You know, as you yeah. say, normal private treaty takes years to get the thing across the line and 50% fall out of bed for some reason or another. Auction did is on the day the deal's done. And are you seeing that 
I mean, I don't know how you'd know the reasons for things coming to auction, but is it the the old adage of kind of death and divorce is, is the main one and death, divorce and debt, I guess? I think so. And there's an increasing number of the we buy any house type people who are buying those and putting them straight into the auction room. So they're, they're just in the middle. And in fact, some of them have set up their own auction houses to dispose of the stock. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a, a big change because how many... I mean, I don't know if you'll know this, but how many kind of auction houses are there now versus where there were, I guess, 20 years ago? It must be. Oh, huge mm. number. I mean, I've spoken to two two estate agents today who want to set up their own auction house. You know, yeah. Wind the clock back two and a half years. You needed a venue. You need an auctioneer. You needed a catalogue. You need a stock. Sure. Now, we supply it all. So are you, doing, are, are you able to do a white label yeah. kind of auction site and then people... Yes. Yeah. So we might have traders listening to this that yeah. a lot of stock and go, do you know what? Why am I sticking it in someone else's auction lot when I can be doing it myself? Yes, we do have a lot. But my caveat to that, to somebody wanting to do it, why are you doing it? Are you doing it to save the one, one half percent commission going to pay to the auction house who deals with all the grief, all the viewings, everything for one and a half percent? A bit like and managing and, your, own, your own tenants, isn't it? Yeah, and you've got, um, you know, don't forget the auctioneer's got a a good mailing list of people who always get his catalogue. You're starting from scratch and it is a tough gig. Can't they just bung you a brown envelope and get the data of what you're talking buyers, David? <laughs> <laughs> no, we wouldn't do that, no. We, we, you know, we do advertise the properties on our site as future lots, so it does drive some traffic. Yeah. But again, you know, if you're an auctioneer, you really need to be on the portals and the way some of the portals work is that, say, I'm in Red Hill, and my office is in, sorry, in Rygate. If I was signed up as an estate agent in Rygate, they would say, okay, you're going to pay us X amount a month on the proviso that X percentage of your stock at any one time is within, say, a three-mile radius of your office. When that percentage becomes less, i.e. you've got stock on a wider, then they start to say, well, hang on, you're a much bigger estate agent than your little local one, and they start charging. So auctioneers who have got offering properties all over the country are paying thousands of pounds a month to some of the portals because they've got properties spread all over the county. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess... You've that, got to be on the portals to get the traffic. And I guess the whole point of kind of having that auction lot is so that you've got different avenues of where you're getting your stock from as well. You don't yeah, want to yeah. just one. So, yeah, it is tough. Some of us, because others haven't. It's properly priced. It's got to be properly priced. And it's incredibly difficult to actually set up that kind of marketing monster mm, that yeah. is able to generate all of those leads as well. Yeah. To say, you know, 1% or 1.5%. If you're a regular vendor, auctioneers are going to be very happy to talk to you on, you know, do a deal on your feet, so long as you're happy to have sensible reserves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Oh, fantastic. Look, David, one last question then, I guess. So listening to kind of your story and your kind of journey, if you will, I hate that word, but what's happening with you and buying and developing properties now? Have you just decided, do you know what? that's a mugs game and I'll stick to the tech behind it and the data. Or are you still buying? I mean, you mentioned that you put an offer in on a, on a property the other day. What do you need to see in a market to get either into it or out of it? I suppose I'm buying it for the long-term capital growth and the rental income and you know, sort of pension, if you will, or, you know, sort of passive income. Sure. And that's why, you know, because there's diddly squad else to do with surplus cash. And I'm guessing the reason that you might get out with like in, 1989, 1990 mm. is, um, is obviously when costs kind of 
rock it up, whether that's interest rates, whether it's kind of tax, whether it's a kind of yeah. things. What- well, yes, it's getting more oppressive, the regime, with the taxes and this and that, and EPCs. I was just, luckily, I've got two properties, both a C, so I'm okay there for till at least 30, I think 2032, I think I'm okay till. Well, they're just changing it, aren't they? Yeah. Now it's coming yeah. out that they're talking about kind of 2028, they're going to push everything back to. Mm. But yeah, it's certainly more difficult than it was, but I guess it's kind of what, what are your other options at this point yeah. in time? Because yeah. do you then, I don't know, leave it in the bank or do you go exactly stick, stick it in a, I don't know, bond portfolio or, or go and do this? Yeah. Might not be as uh, as easy and, uh, and as juicy returns as it used to be, but... Something nice about walking, I, I drive past... A property I've got where I've got two two units in it and yeah that, that's mine and check on everything's okay so uh... having something physical is uh, yeah. Good one. yeah and then how important do you think relationships have been to your success and EIG's success because it sounds like you've talked about an awful lot of lunches that you had <laughs> <laughs> crucial absolutely crucial it's yeah. all about relationships and not weighing and saying it's my way or the highway you know you got two ears and one mouth use them in the, I've, I've, now preaching what I should be doing now but you know use them and just understand what the other people want out of it and try and provide it yeah you know that's what we've striven to do all along is what do people want fantastic look David thanks so much for coming on the show it's always a pleasure to talk to you and we'll make sure we've got a link in there to not only the website but also you do an absolutely cracking newsletter as well yeah um, so we'll get a link to that. So if people do want to know, you do a fantastic roundup of all the stats and all the auction yeah. stats. Is it every month? Every month, yeah. yeah. I'll be doing the next one next week. Yeah, so we'll make sure we've got a link there so people can have a look at that. And please Thanks, do, do check it out because it's a fantastic tool that that really, if you are buying at auction, it's going to make your life so much easier. Yeah, and come to the site and you can register for a free trial. And not only do you get access to the site, but one of my team will take you around, understand what you're trying to get out of auctions and, and guide you where you'll find those sorts of things. So it's uh, well worth having a look. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, David. Cheers, Rod. See you soon. Thanks. Thanks.